Wait, are we? We're on right now, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as on. It's just a conversation. Yeah. This is the show? Yep. <laughs> okay. Is this the show? I, I, I don't know. Quite honestly, we don't know. Because honestly, this is horrible. I, I, no, no. I thought there'd be like an introduction. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Catching Foxes, a podcast at the intersection of culture and faith, where we favor discussion over instruction. This episode is brought to you by CatholicMatch.com, our first sponsor ever. So hang in there, and we will tell you a little bit more about them later. This is episode 21, an interview with the ruggedly handsome Father Michael Schmitz. You catch that, Facebook? Father Michael Schmitz. You burnt. Have you seen I Am Chris Farley? I have not. It's on my queue. Me too. Me too. But uh, I saw it. Did you? What'd you think? Yeah. I mean. You knew it if you, already? Yeah. Yeah. There, there isn't anything in that that for the most part you don't already know if you've even remotely paid attention to anything that has uh, been talked about him for the yeah. past 20 years. But it, it is cool to see like how much those people cared about him. Um, I, Tommy Boy is one of my favorite movies. Kind of all of all time, absolutely. and uh, absolutely. so good. And so when he died, I it was like it. You know, if people like celebrities or whatever die. I saw this something on on Twitter today that was um these uh this it was a text and she was making fun of herself. This girl made, was making fun of herself of she texted to her mom that Taylor Swift is taking a break, and she was like, "But mom, I'm just so sad because she works so hard and she just carries all this weight of the you know people you know her popularity and all these kind of things." I'm like, "Wow, this girl is really identifying with the apparent struggles of Taylor Swift." But now you bring up Chris Farley. I mean, when he died, it really moved me. Yeah. And um, I I regularly will pray for him, and actually, I'll regularly say mass for him. Are you serious? That's awesome. He, yeah. No, for real, because because I remember the circumstances of his death. Yeah. And then I remember someone saying, telling me, you know, he, he was a really, like, faithful Catholic. He strived yep. really hard to live this way. You know, uh, he, when he, they said when he was doing well, like, uh, emotionally and mentally, he'd be going to daily mass. That he'd yeah. be, um, there was a, apparently a nursing home kind of connected to the parish that he'd go to. And he, after mass, he'd go visit um, old elderly people in the nursing home and he mm-hmm. just, he, just he just struck me as someone who's like a brother basically like someone who's just really trying yeah. to say yes to the lord but also having real significant you know wounds and so when i heard about that i'm like you know what he's my brother i gotta pray for him so yeah, i will probably at least once a month maybe once every other month i guess uh we'll offer mass for him and uh regularly pray for him isn't it funny how you can identify so much with a celebrity and it doesn't have to be like a super famous person, but just someone <laughs> yeah. that, you know, has a, a, some sort of media interaction and you can, you know, whether it's an author or whatever, and you can so identify with them that you feel like, like you're friends or you know them or you have this connection. And if you were to meet them on the street, you'd probably be like, you, know, you wouldn't even know <laughs> yeah. how to talk mm-hmm. to them. And yet you yeah. feel like your best friends, you know? So it's, it's just, it, it is kind of weird how you can like, this like single. Oh, I think that like I get you. Like we're you know there's something like I really want Taylor Swift to be the person she portrays herself. Yeah, right. To be <laughs> right. So badly. I yeah. doubt it's true. But the the woman who broke my heart about that was watching Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls. I was like, I want you to be like the homeschool girl from Africa, and instead you're you're like actually like the real Mean Girls. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, uh, if you find him on Facebook, it's just Michael Schmitz. But you really got to look for that father FR period in his uh, picture. Ever since Facebook <laughs> robbed him of his dignity and his priesthood, I resent them. You were slightly. so pissed off about that. Oh come on! I know it's awesome. I mean, I but there was like uh, a handful I of one posts. post about it. I wasn't like so like dude. Just grabbing my computer, shaking it back and forth. Dang you, Facebook! You made me <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. You've made me pay so much money to use you. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's one of the things. When, remember. When it used to be when Facebook changed their profile, blah, 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 that everyone would be so angry. And oh. then there's the, you know, Mr. Rational who's like, well, by the way, guys, you know, Facebook, it's Facebook is free, so don't complain about them. And at the same time, I was that guy. <laughs> I didn't type it in. <laughs> I thought it, though, because of the fact that, like, yeah, if they take away the father, whatever, they got me hooked. I'm on it. So it's their thing. And if I don't want to use it, I literally don't have to use it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But then how would we send each other memes? Oh, I guess through mess- <laughs> oh messenger God. text messages. There we go. That's what your your uh your animated gifts were delightful tonight setting up the Skype chat, I, by the way. I love gifts so much. Yeah. You have no idea. Oh well, I I I've discovered just trying I to have, have a, a conversation with you. <laughs> you have slightly an idea now at this point, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a gift keyboard or are you pulling them from something? <sighs> okay, so I used to. I I feel so I feel really right now, I feel really exposed. Gomer. Just be vulnerable. You're really exposed. Be vulnerable. <laughs> hey, let me, let me just get real for a second here. I have a gift keyboard. Boom. But, but, <laughs> but, but, I only got it a week and a half ago. So all my previous gifts were stored away. <laughs> I, I'd scoured the internet on my own, an independent time, another context, and I stored them away so that I could use them at a later date. And then gift keyboard came out with the easy way like you know like almost like the cheaters way to get gifts yeah and so that's that's where i'm at um so yes i do have one you know know, that's one of the beautiful and terrible things the 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 terrible awesomeness of the internet is something so stupid that gets you literally a five second laugh (laughs) you will spend hours hunting them down like for me my favorite thing in the world to do is to go on google image search which is dangerous. So you put that uh, safe search on high. Um, but <laughs> that safe search on there. Yeah, you put in meme, and then you put go home, you're drunk. And there oh, are wow, all no these way. things that are like, because it's like, you know, go home, you're drunk. And it's the guy with his hand out stopping you, you know, like, just stop talking, yeah. go home, you're drunk. But there are so many things that people have, like, taken pictures of and then written that, and it just kills me. And then the other one is, uh, uh, what is it? You had one job. You know, so it'll yes, be like a guy oh, painting, oh, that's amazing. painting the lines down a street, and then they'll just go off into like a gas station or something. It's like, <laughs> buddy, you had one job. You had one. Oh. My big weakness is any Simpsons. I'll just like anything that's on the Simpsons that is a meme or a gif or a gif or however you call it. Okay. I will just, it is just a wormhole of wasted productivity. <laughs> Like like a good hour to shot if I start to like oh look at that that stuff. Okay, so and all goes out of my buddy Aaron. It just goes to him. I'm like, sorry man, <laughs> but here's all the stuff I found. It's you gotta great. share it with somebody. Yeah. So Luke, you just brought you just opened up a can of worms. Oh. And the, that Go that on. can on the outside of the can is written the word GIF, and then underneath it it says in parentheses not GIF. Inappropriate. It's GIF. It's, okay, so do you know the guy who invented the Yeah, the it's GIF. GIF. He says GIF because he's an idiot. Well, he says GIF, actually. Oh, I he heard. does? I thought he said GIF. 
Okay. But my thing is, like, I don't, at some point, I'm like, okay, you made this 20 years ago. Uh-huh. You called it a graphic image, whatever format, F word format, is. Format. Um, and format. Format. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, so, okay, you can call it whatever you want for you. But here's the deal graphic starts with a hard G. Uh-huh. So you know what you know what GIF is going to start with? It's going to start with the hard G. Mm. That's all I got to say. Mm. But mm. it's followed by a so, vowel. Sorry, Luke. It's followed by a vowel. Yes, but so is garbage. To bring it back to <laughs> of The Simpsons, I'm sorry, going yes. to quote a uh, really quick line from a from a thing that was actually written by uh, Conan, where he goes, um, "I'm sorry, Mom, but uh, the mob has but the mob has spoken." Monorail. You know, thank so you, Luke, for that. That was funnier in my <laughs> head. Anyways, <laughs> we literally. I, I, I feel like we haven't even started the show. Do you feel yeah, that vibe? Wait, you said he was just talking, and that's what we're doing. It takes a, it takes a, you know this every time. It takes a good twenty minutes just to get it all warmed up, and then you get going just, you just like I'm a workout. So ready. I've been warmed up for. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I've been I, honestly, Father Mike. You, you are one of my favorite people. Uh, we got to do a handful of no. uh, Steubenville conferences together, Thanks, and we got to work with each other doing that type of stuff. And then for some weird reason, you invited me out to do Tobit. The Dude, other- you're coming back up. I'm I am. so excited. I am. I am. And. and- all of our youth ministers are jacked about you coming back back north from Texas. Yeah, are they really? They like no, it? seriously. Okay. Yeah, I, they, they totally did. And so same with the youth. The youth were like, I mean, when you had like, okay, take out your pencils and this is going to be like a real serious. We're going to think, you know, deeply. And so that was that's awesome. Yeah, it's funny. It was, it was great. Super good. The funniest thing about doing stuff like where you want people to like actually pay attention and take notes, like this is serious, is like when you're with high, with with college students, they're so used to taking like an awful amount of notes. Yes. They just, you know that now when I do young adult talks, they just come with their little you know, moleskin notebook when, you know, their little tabbed Bible <laughs> mm-hmm. and they just write all these notes down. But high school students, you know, they come with like a composition book, you know, or a spiral yes. in there. And then you, they just stare at you the whole time. And then you're like, now write this part down. You have to say that every five seconds. <laughs> now write this down. This is the word. Yeah. Now I can't. You know, it's funny. Yeah. So good. I was just going to say how many times I have to say, if you have, if you remember nothing else from this talk, remember <laughs> this. You know, and it's like the same thing I've said 10 times already. That's awesome. The, there's a young woman. She just entered um, the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist out in Michigan. Wonderful. And she grew up in, in our diocese. So just awesome. She went to Notre Dame. Super genius. Like she, I don't know if she got a full ride there, but she got some kind of ride there. I mean, it was like because she had a scholarship for her violin. She had a scholarship for science like she won these national science fair kind of things she got to notre dame and she studied theology <laughs> it's like wait neither music nor science that's theology yeah and now she just entered the dominican sisters and she's Mary from Mary she's from y'all's parish she is she's well she's from um a town called babbitt minnesota um but but she would go to all of our retreats all of our camps everything and she totally i mean ever since she was a sixth grader seventh grader she would have the notes. Yeah. And so if I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, I totally forgot how I said that. Hey, Christina, <laughs> what did I say in that, you know, in yeah. Camp Survivor, junior high camp, you know, back in 2005? And she'd pull out her notes and she'd have it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. She, no wonder she awesome. went to Notre Dame. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> You're, so I have to, uh, I have to confess that I feel bad because I don't know anything about you. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So really quick. Just for all of 
our listeners who like pretty much me and my aunt D who uh, don't know who you are. Could you just explain like a little bit about like what you do and stuff? And sorry, Luke. Thank you. Oh no, no, it's fine. The funny thing was I was trying to build up to that and then I got sidetracked on the GIF gift thing. And then I'm sorry. Cause then, cause, and also I detracted from Luke's talking about the Simpsons, which I'm also really sorry about that. Just stepping over each other here. It'll listen. It always goes back to the Simpsons with me. So you're fine. (laughs) Yes. Well, what do I, um, I'm a priest. Prove it. Of the Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> the Roman Rite. Okay. And so that means I can shave my face if I want. Ooh. Nice. And sometimes I don't. Take that, Melkites. I'll edit that out. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our Eastern brethren. I'm a priest and sometimes I don't have a shaved, I sometimes have a shaved face. Dude, but you look um, awesome with a beard. You got to respect the beard. I'm Thank telling you. for that. Um, what my, do you know why I started growing a beard is... Every watch right now. It started five days ago. Pimples because um, pimples. My dad. <laughs> Did you say dimples? Or no, I pimples? said pimples. <laughs> trying to cover up your zip. I was like, so I started growing a beard when I was fourteen because <laughs> no, my my dad would come home um, in the winter. He would grow he would grow a beard during hunting season, and then he'd he was a super athlete guy, so he would cross country ski and run all winter, and when he'd come in from running or from skiing and he have an ice beard like oh, the you know the ice oh, dancing yeah. off the, you know and his cheeks and his lips and whatever and so i always thought that was the coolest thing ever so i interiorly i mean as a child i remember thinking when i can grow a beard i'm gonna grow a beard and get ice beard all over my face kind of thing and so every year beginning in the second or sorry third week of uh i guess first week of october i start growing a beard so that and the only goal is it's not like oh keep your face warm or no shave november it's just so i can go out long enough run ski whatever get a nice beard get like a really really good one and then i'm like okay no it doesn't matter when i shave nice nice so, you look, like, so you look like gimli son of gloin i got you I, it's just the coolest well not as you have a thick beard though when i grow it when i grow it i don't usually do don't really no i keep mine trimmed uh because i have uh I have a wife, and she has this thing called <laughs> self-respect. So when I'm next to her, and it, because my beard gets gnarly, like it gets, it looks like horrible things are happening on my face. Like yeah. there's mm-hmm. a there's a rat that died, but before it died, it was in a gang fight with a series of other rats, <laughs> and they all just kind of mess stuff up. And so every so often, I'll I, during the summers actually, I let it grow out because it makes me look edgy for the youth conferences until I find yeah, out that seriously. every other male. Has a oh beard and a plaid shirt, and then I'm like, oh, I guess it's edgy to just half shave. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you should pull a. Help me out. Oh, dang it! It would have been so much funnier, you guys, if I would have known what I was saying. Pull Philip Neary. You should have pulled the Saint. You should have pulled the Saint Philip Neary. Half shave, half your face. I did. I actually did that for uh, two days on when I was in college, and did you really? Only half the people noticed. It was actually really I can funny. Totally- no way. Yeah. I would sit in class and people were like, oh, you shaved. And I was like, yeah. And they were sitting to my right and it looked like I shaved my beard off. But if you were sitting on my left, I mean, it wasn't like dramatic. Yeah. Like it was trimmed. But if you're sitting on my left, they didn't notice. And it wasn't until I was like staring at them face to face. They'd be like, they wait notice. a second. This is weird. <laughs> Hold on. I really want to grow a long beard, but it makes my, it adds like 30 pounds. It's insane. Like it really does add. Um, what are you growing a baby? A baby off? I just face? killed that conversation. <laughs> my beard yeah. makes me look like I've gained thirty. Pounds. No, my beard <laughs> gives me. So the way I trim my beard 
is uh, because my jawline tends to recede into my ever-widening neck. So I grow a beard <laughs> George Lucas style and keep it so it looks like I have a jawline. And my wife appreciates the jawline. And then also like George Lucas style, he destroys your childhood memories. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Indiana Good Jones. segue into... Are you excited for the uh, upcoming episode? Yes. You, um, yeah. Five, six, father, father, you really, this is just everyone that heard you say that knows <laughs> that you're not a fan of our show. Because literally we had a whole episode of Luke borderline crying, talking about his first experience of watching okay. the trailer. Wow. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm not, I love Star Wars. I love the Star Wars movie because I am a movie nerd. Mm-hmm. Um. I wish I've tried to get into the books and stuff. It just doesn't do it for me. But I love like those were the films that and back to the future were the ones that I was like, oh, this is like a thing that I will always love. Yeah. And so when I watched that, I was in my office and I waited all day because I didn't want to be upset by it because I'm still very upset over the prequels. And when mm-hmm. I watched it, I could not leave my office because I didn't want to drive my car because I knew I wouldn't be able to pay attention <laughs> to the road. So I stayed for an extra 45 minutes, recorded a quick podcast on my phone, and had to process it. No way. That's it awesome. was like a Saturday night at a student book conference. Type of like a what just happened. <laughs> was that, that is what awesome. just happened. Yeah, it was amazing. I can't. I mean, I will be horribly crushed if it's if it's bad, and I'm open to that happening. Mm-hmm. But I I can't lie. Me my my expectations are sky high. I I'm thrilled. <laughs> I will probably weep like when it starts. I I I will not weep. I'll get choked up. Yeah, for sure. No, that, yeah. that makes sense. I I when I was in seminary when episode one came out. Now just knowing what we know now, it changes the story, but. Um, I, I, one of the seminary, seminary brothers kind of guys, he won tickets to the opening. And this is, no, this is, I don't, if you remember this before you had your like, you know, okay, midnight showings of people who really care. They had like the afternoon showings of this are people who won tickets on the radio or they did whatever, you know, so he won four tickets. So he invited me along. And so I'm in the, in the midst of, and I loved, I loved Star Wars when I was a kid, but I didn't. I mean, I kind of know, I don't mean in an offensive way. I grew out of it, not because it was childish, but because I got captivated by other things, is what I'll say. Mm-hmm. So, but I really loved it. I, I mean, I really did. So I'm there. I remember, did you, I don't know if either of you guys had the, uh, I had a Star Wars, Star Wars trivia book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. you have that? It was, no, but I think I had one at one point in time. What? Oh, he was 15? He, on the back it said, like, you know, so-and-so was 15 when he just loved the Star Wars and he and and he wrote this trivia book. And I was like, that's so cool. I'm going to try to memorize all these. So I'm sitting in the theater with all of these diehard fans who did everything they could to go to episode one. And I remember the guy from the radio station, he asked these questions that were so, to me, completely random. It was like, what, what uh, tool did Han Solo ask Chewie to hand him? when he was fixing the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. in whatever. And everywhere, literally every hand in the movie theater was raised, no, all knowing the answer. Or, or what number was written on the underside of uh, the X-Wing fighter that was flying over Luke during the whatever scene. And everyone knew the number. of the. <laughs> That's awesome. And so like, these are people who love it. So the coolest thing about being able to go to that 
film again before we knew that the first three episodes are just <laughs> throwaway. The moment the word Star Wars came up on the on the screen and that music just like rump, you know, kind of bam, yeah, everyone just stood up and cheered. And it was kind of this 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 guttural reaction of people saying, "I just I just have to yeah. stand up and just cheer." And I remember thinking, you know, it's been a long time since I got excited about this, but I am excited about this. So I. I think that J.J. Abrams is going to do a good job. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So can I, uh, I just want to point something out. Can I point something out? Can I get a little meta here? Mm-hmm. So yep. we, we started to ask you about yourself. And you said, <laughs> I'm in the Roman right. I can shave my face. And then yeah. we made fun of the Melkites. And then we talked about. You made fun of the Melkites. I, I made. I made. Not you. Not you. And then we talked about beards for 10 minutes. And now that immediately went into Star Wars. So. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Excuse me, Gomer, that's a great question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I am a no, Catholic how about this? How about this? So what, yeah. you're a Catholic priest, uh, hence the father. Mm-hmm. Um, you entered seminary. How old were you when you entered seminary? I had been graduated from college for a little over a year. I uh, graduated college. I went to a normal, I say normal. <laughs> I went to a normal college, like I, a non-seminary college where I majored in theology. So... Whatever that means. What school? And, Where'd um, you go? I went to St. John's University in Collegeville, Minnesota. Mm, love that university. Hmm. Just <laughs> I, don't even know. I don't at all. Yeah. Do they have <laughs> a basketball know, like, team? They probably do. I don't know. They have a football <laughs> team. Actually, they have the winningest coach in college football history. Whoa. Is it a Jesuit school? No, it's a Benedictine. Oh, well, Jesuits, that, that's part of their huh. terrorism to found schools that have good football teams. So, uh, well, I guess basketball team. Anywho, sports ball. Uh, <laughs> sports ball. Yeah. Goal sports team, go. Go. Score a goal unit point. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so you went you went to normal school, but what? Why theology? Yeah. What what made you as a high school so, student? Yeah, when I was in high school, I had I had a conversion in high school. So I was raised Catholic, and then but I didn't really care at all. In high school, at some point, um, long story short, it mattered, and uh, and so as time went on, I kind of started thinking, does God want to be want me to be a priest? I'm not sure. I was dating this girl, so I don't really want that to be the case, um, and so I. Uh, Decided at one point actually was good because I had visited some seminaries and whatnot in my, I didn't, I still didn't know. And so my dad at one point, he said, you know, if you, if you don't know, just why don't you just go to a normal college and then uh, maybe you'll find out in the next four years. I was like, oh yeah, good idea. Um, And so I went to this, you know, this Benedictine college and majored in theology. The reason I wanted to major in theology is because I knew it mattered. Like I knew it was a big deal. And the thing that kind of motivated me was, uh, First Peter three fifteen, you know, where he says, "Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within you, the faith that's within you." And uh, I wanted to be able to give a reason for what I believed. And I just, I, and it just, I just, honestly, there was this kind of this inner motivation of being able to not only say, "Here's what I believe," but also make it make sense. That was the thing, and so that's why I majored in theology. You wanted to attach a reason to the things that you exactly accepted. Okay, so let, I want to just talk about that real quick. So you were raised in a great like Catholic environment. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, I didn't think it was anything weird. It just, my mom and dad thought, well, they taught us, you go to mass no matter what. Like, you're on vacation. All right. No matter what. We're out of town. I've been out of town. They have churches there. We go to, we go to mm-hmm. mass. And so, I mean, always. But it wasn't like they were, because I know some other, I know people who are awesome and also some people who have fallen away from their faith, whose parents had them, you know, pray the evening rosary and they had them go to daily mass when they could. Um my mom and dad made it make it just it just was no this is what we do 
Mm-hmm. And it wasn't in a position. It wasn't uh, I mean, it was for me when I didn't care, when I didn't want to go to one hour of Sunday mass. Yeah. Like, no, I remember my mom had, my mom and dad have a rule that if you were too sick to go to mass, you were too sick to do anything the rest of the day. But there were times when I thought that it was worth it to pretend to be sick, <laughs> to, to get out of one hour of mass and just think like, if there's ever an argument for the fact, the reality that adolescent brains are not fully formed it's the fact that I thought it was worth it to pretend to be sick, to get out of one hour of mass and then sit in my room the entire rest of the day doing nothing. Cause my mom was like, no, you're too sick to do anything. You're too sick to read. You're too sick to play a game. You're too sick to watch TV. You're too sick. I mean, wow. cause I mean, she knew that I was playing, yeah. but she didn't want to make sure you want to make sure I didn't throw up in church, you know? So when, when you say that, uh, to me as a married man with, uh, four kids, five and under, I'm like, Oh, I don't even have to read. I could just sit there all day. <laughs> no, see, I was a big reader when I was a kid, and and I was even bigger TV watcher if I had the chance. Mm-hmm. Man, I trained to watch, be able to watch the kind of TV I can watch. Now. I trained. I, there was, there was <laughs> different competitions. Was Some great. people think they can watch the amount of TV that I watch right now, and I'm like, dude, don't just jump right into that. You got to build to that. Yeah. <laughs> You can't binge watch an entire season of Daredevil on Netflix. <laughs> you know, I haven't. I haven't even finished that that season. You still haven't watched it, Father? I've watched half of it. I liked it, but I just kind of didn't. It didn't suck me in, you know. Oh. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. You're you're fine. No, no, Thank you're you. not fine. You're messed up. You're you got some fine. bad choices, Father, that you're making. And quite okay, frankly, so Luke, the... I'm disappointed in you as well. Here's something I just discovered: Agents of Shield. Oh, oh. listen, me and Gomer have slight. Well. Okay, I'll be honest. I haven't watched The Flash because I'm still trying to catch up on Once Upon a Time. My secret shame. <laughs> no, that, that that makes sense. That that actually, they're um, all. The funny thing is, Once Upon a Time, Flash, Arrow, they are all the same. Disney, so, yeah, yeah we're all we're all paying homage to our Disney overlords. <laughs> <laughs> no, I so I um I cannot watch Arrow. It started out decent, and yeah. it just has gone downhill. See, the funny thing is, uh. So, uh, was it Marvel Agents of Shield started mm. off awful? It got a, it, it went from awful to tolerable mm. to awful again. But I stayed with it because it blends with the movies that I love. Mm-hmm. But it, does. but the blends with the movies is if you don't watch the movie when it comes out and then you watch yeah, the episode, spoiler, <laughs> it totally it's like, well, they almost destroyed all of London, but thank God Thor fought them off. And you're like, wait, what? With the what? You know? So why would you say that? <laughs> And then why was the Doctor Who guy involved? This doesn't make any sense. Anyone? <laughs> no? No? He was the ninth Doctor, and he might be my favorite. Well, I don't know. Sorry. Okay. Wait, Luke. Let's, are we yes. talking Doctor Who? Oh, we can, we can talk. So we're interviewing Father Michael Schmidt. How <laughs> priest of the Diocese of Duluth. I know some people from Babbitt, Minnesota. <laughs> do you tell them what you do? What do you do for a living? Wait, as okay. A priest? Only if we can come back to a Doctor Who. Yeah, we totally conversation at the point time. We're gonna. This is Go all going to tie right back in. Yeah. Okay, salvation. Gomer, Luke, thanks for having me on your show. I'm a priest of the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, <laughs> and uh, I'm the chaplain at the University of Minnesota Duluth, uh, bulldogcatholic.org. What? And then um, I'm also the director of youth and young adult ministry for our diocese uh, here in northern, oh, cool, northeastern Minnesota. Minnesota, and uh, I've been really looking forward to the month of November 2015 for a really long time, 
because that November 25th, 2015, is where Marty McFly journeyed to the future <laughs> to see his children and make sure they were doing okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you mean October of 2015, not uh, November. No, wait, is it October? October 21st, yeah. Luke, I'm so sorry. No, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am disappointed in myself that I just corrected a priest on no, this. So. No, 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 it's October. Because I thought it was, did he go back to November 25th? He, yeah, he goes back to a November 12th, I is think. It okay. 1955. It's important. 1955. Yes, November 12th, 1955. <laughs> nice. 1.21 gigawatts. So speaking of Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was just watching an episode before you guys texted me and told me that we had to do a show tonight. And... Uh, it was it was like the fourth or fifth whatever episode where there's this electromagnetic blah 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 uh-huh. building up in mm-hmm. people's brains and then it comes out like a lightning and they said something like it's six gigabytes or whatever it was it was kilowatts or something and I was like oh one point twenty one gigawatts <laughs> I'll never forget that number one point twenty one gigawatts which is apparent here's the reason why I love you father is because after our Steubenville main campus conference so big Sumo conference. We went down to Damon's, which is mm-hmm. this uh, Your restaurant. Old yeah. How's it going? Yeah. How's it going? Um, How are we doing? Good burgers. <laughs> and we went down there, and and I was like, oh, cool. I get to hang out with Father Mike. I, I really like this guy. I listen to his sermons. I hope he thinks I'm a neat guy. And then we all, it was like me, you, and two other people, and we blocked everyone else out. Of our conference, there's like 20 people around us. It's like forget all of them, and we all sat there and debated the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Yes. We talked awesome. about we talked about all the different superhero comics we listened to or, or read, and then all the like it was. And then I realized something that you have the media consumption habits <laughs> of a 14 of a 14 year old boy. <laughs> Which is the exact same pattern as myself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it makes me feel so and good I, about myself right and now. I, and immediately, I'm like, this is a guy who I respect. This is a priest who gives amazing talks. And yet, we are all getting a little bit too oh into gosh. this conversation about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so totally good. okay with that right now. Man, actually, I, we, I was a little bit left in the dust. Because the other two guys was Bobby Angel. Jackie Francois, Angel's husband, and Bob Rice. Mm. Bob Rice knows everything. If you think, well, maybe, I don't know. Luke, I don't want to step on your toes here, but... Oh, no, he knows a lot. I've I've heard about this. Star Wars. The guy, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh. He knows everything. He knows the details of the subplots, of the backstory to the... I was like... I, I was in so much... I was in appreciation, so... Gomer, just as much as you. Yeah, that was that was, but that was one of my favorite conversations. That was uh, so good. The funny thing about him, about Bob Rice, we got to have him on the show. He said, uh, he's like, so I'm flipping through Sky Mall, and I saw for seven thousand dollars, you can get a full size replica of Han Solo frozen in carbonite. Yes. And at that <sighs> at that moment, I realized two things. <laughs> I was like, what's that? I'm like dying laughing. He goes, one, I realized I have a disordered attachment to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, I realize I would be a terrible, terrible lottery winner. <laughs> like that's, that's immediately going to Star Wars paraphernalia. That's what I'm doing. Oh, what is that? A is that a a wing from an X-wing used on the set? I'll take it. A hundred thousand dollars? I'll take two. You know, I love that. I love that. But so, um, as a priest, you work specifically with youth and young adults. Uh, you work. Do you live at the the Newman Center or Catholic Center? Um, at um, yeah. Okay. 
at the University of Minnesota Duluth. Yeah, well, you don't have a, a spare bedroom and said you'd have a couch and I wasn't allowed to crash in there. But whatever, Dude, whatever. I'm so sorry. I honestly, there's no, there's no <laughs> room here. I don't even have a couch anymore. Um, wow. My, my family came up to Duluth. I to, just have a standing visit. desk and cross country. I just have a standing <laughs> desk. That's it. But my, 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 fam- my sisters came up to visit. They did a half Ironman up here in Duluth this uh at the end of the summer and they came up to train they're like hey can we just crash at your place like uh yeah um (laughs) like there is a there's one twin bed in the house there's literally nothing else (laughs) everything else is designed for college students to be able to sit down and do homework so if that works well for you for sleeping that's great <laughs> yeah you can come stay here my name is holiday Inn. Um, <laughs> exactly yeah so, so what in the when, phone book. one of the things that i find so interesting like so when i was in high school okay since i was like four and a half years old people told me i'm supposed to be a priest mm-hmm. um at one point my mom when i was in fourth grade goes you know how i know you're supposed to be a priest and i was like how and she said because you have priest hands <laughs> oh my gosh what does that even mean and i was like i have what and she's like you have priest hands i've always known it's priest hands when they elevate the host they have this you, you have priest hands and i was like oh is that because i don't do any real work i'm just kidding but uh <laughs> oh. ooh, full it's of paper okay. cuts from dealing with all that it's paper okay. i don't know so um it's okay that's all right <laughs> but <laughs> so soft and gentle and no calluses from tools um <laughs> but so she she would say like and i i grew up thinking and I, I've always loved my faith. I love my parents. My parents were amazing when it came to raising us in the Catholic Church. My mom was the director of religious education. My dad was in the Knights of Columbus. And we had a Knights of Columbus that wasn't about a bunch of old guys getting hammered or doing meetings forever. Like, mm-hmm. we did stuff in the community that, that with our family, like, as a family. And uh, it was just so awesome being a part of it, especially, like, the mentally, mentally handicapped. We were always doing events and fundraisers and going and visiting them, you know, not just, you know, from a distance doing charity, but really mm-hmm. doing like visiting them. And that was like my dad's thing. And so uh, growing up in that environment, I loved my priests. They were amazing. They were Polish Capuchin Franciscans. The The two priests that were there, they came, Father Robert and Father Wenceslas, they came from Poland. They were in a Nazi concentration camp. They had the tattoos and everything. Um, and a group from Oklahoma, a group of soldiers from Oklahoma were a part of the, the, the front that actually liberated them. No way. And out of a, yeah. And out of a debt of gratitude, they found some of these soldiers and said, where are you from? They said, broken arrow, Oklahoma. And so they got permission to start a mission and they got in the 1950s. They finally, in 1950, they came over and they landed in Kiefer, Oklahoma. And then they made their way up to broken arrow. Um, and they were greeted by the Ku Klux Klan burning crosses in front of their no church. Way. It was wild, oh, wild wow. stuff, wild stuff for years, for years. So from the fifties to about the seventies, and then um, that kind of died away as the town became like an actual you know town or whatever. Now it has like a hundred thousand <laughs> people, but then it had you know it was like you know it was one of those like main street towns where it's literally main street and nothing else. Um, and yeah. every, everyone had like ten acres or whatever. Um, Chesterton and the land movement would have been happy, but. Um, <laughs> So we, my, they built this church, and my family moved from Philadelphia there, and, and that's where I grew That's all I knew. I was born in, born in Oklahoma. Um, and this church was for me, I mean, these were Franciscan men who really lived poverty. As an altar server, I would see their rooms, and it was like I could stretch my hands out to the sides and touch both walls. Yeah. They lived in cells, and they were cells. They had recreation clothes and extra habit, and that was it. I don't even know about the extra habit, but they had rec clothes. I know that. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just the most simple, austere, but our we really had a church community. And I remember when the diocesan priest took over, 
and uh, they they turned the church over to the diocese because the the priests were old, and then the priest was getting the the younger priest was being moved to Zambia, Africa, to do a mission. And uh, so it turned over to the diocese, and the priest, the first thing he did was knock out, like, three walls of the cells. (laughs) To make one room. (laughs) To make one room, and he put in, uh, like, a double bed, you know, instead of, like, a piece of wood that they used to sleep on. And I remember walking in, and I looked, and I saw, like, a crappy little TV, a little stereo, and this double-sized bed. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God. What's going to happen when the bishop finds out about this wayward priest? <laughs> really, like <laughs> he lives such a simple life as a because yeah yeah. But my wow. and I love these priests. Like I buried two of them as the I was the altar server at their funeral, and I was the, after the bishop and the the priest of the parish. I was the first person to throw dirt on their grave. Right, you do the pitch of the, and uh, you know I'm surrounded by hundreds of priests and and deacons and stuff like that. And the amazing amazing experience. But I always thought. And everyone told me I was called to be a priest. But I had always confused that um, with I'm called to be holy. I'm called to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. I'm called to be a disciple. And it really wasn't, even though I was surrounded with lay people like my parents who were amazing disciples of Jesus, it never clicked. So I almost went to a high school seminary in Mexico. Thank you, Legionnaires. Uh, <laughs> I almost went to, uh, you know, like um, uh, a Subiaco Academy with the Benedictines. Like, there's all this different stuff. And then in the end, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Franciscan, major in philosophy and theology. I'll do that stuff. If I'm called to be a priest, I'll, I'll, I'll go and do that. I, but it was like, for me, it was I freaking wrestled with my vocation. Yeah. And every time I would read something like this, you know, you'd read like, the Lord called me and I, I felt like I had to give myself to the whole community, not just to one woman. And I was like, that's amazing and heroic, and I love that. And then, you know, you hear someone else's vocation story, and it's like, yeah, I could be a priest. And I was like, well, I might as well try it. And so I went to seminary, and I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> You're like the most amazing priest I know. And it was, I might as well try it. That's your vocation story? So try <laughs> that literally was his one priest, Father Conrad. He's like, yeah, I thought I could do it. I can handle it. I'm smart. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure, why not? Why not? And so I just, it was a crisis. So what for you? Like, for me, I wanted a single aha moment. And instead, I had a oh, hey moment when I saw my wife, right? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we have someone special to thank. Luke, who are we thanking? We are thanking the fine, fine new sponsors of ours, CatholicMatch.com. Catholic Match is awesome. That is a place where you... As a single Catholic can get connected with other Catholics in order to build community, who knows, start new relationships, go out on dates. It's good fun. Uh, Luke, you've used Catholic Match before, right? It was actually a really great and awesome ex- experience. As a lot of you guys know, I spent time out uh, in some pretty small, isolated places where it was really hard to find Catholic girls that I would be interested if they were even there at all. And so Catholic Match really provided me an and opportunity to date some amazing women. And I honestly, I would not be the man I am without that experience. You're going to get from Catholic Match what other websites and online dating services can't get you, like Match.com or eHarmony. Um, they can't get you that because the word Catholic caters specifically to those who value their faith. They design their tools for Catholics who are interested in dating and marriage. This is about people who want to build honest communities. So how can you help us out and and join Catholic Match? Well, we've got you guys set. You're going to see a link in our show notes, which is that information in the app that you are listening to this podcast on or even in the in the description 
of of the podcast, click that link and that's where you can that's and that's going to bring you to other website and that's going to help us support our show so please 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 click on the link that's either in the show notes or it's on the website that you're hearing this great podcast on exactly and you can find the show notes at www.layevangelist.com slash catching foxes uh, and number 21 slash 21 now, you can go to catholicmatch.com. We want to drive as much traffic there as possible. But the only way we get credit for it is if you click that link because it will bring it back to us. So we want to thank Catholic Match for sponsoring us. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Awesome. What was what was your vocation struggle like? Like, what was it a struggle for you? Was it, like, default? What was it? Oh, no, it totally was a struggle. Um, because I – same kind of thing when I was in high school. So I had this conversion in high school. And then the idea was um, – I was like, okay, so I need to – God, what do you want me to do? Act, well, back up a little bit. Yeah. The convert, yeah. my, my first encounter with the Lord, that was I, just like, it was more than just kind of what I was anticipating or are used to or whatever it involved confession and in, involved me seeking out confession on a Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. I rode my bike. I was 15 years old. I rode my bike over to the priest's house. Cause I'm like, I need to go to confession. So <laughs> I knocked on the door. Like, can I go to confession? Sure, come on in. And I always say, like, yeah, you open the door 10 o'clock on Tuesday morning because they only work, you know, one day a week. And so no problem. Um, <laughs> but but I remember leaving the house. You know, I went to confession, left the house. Three thoughts. One thought, God, thank you so much for forgiving my sins. It's just so incredible. I can't believe. Thank you so much. Second thought, God, if you ever want me to be a priest, I will hear anyone's confession whenever they ask. So that was like the second thought was I never thought about being a priest before that. But I thought right then, like, thank you so much. The third thought was, you know, this girl rode by like, oh, she's really cute. <laughs> and so that exactly, Luke, I was like, and thus it, we begin is the, the like, should I be a priest? Like, I don't know, but I really want to. And, and so many people, like you said, uh, Gomer, like the idea of like, well, you know, I just feel called to to like raise a family and to have kids and da, da, da. And like, nah, I'm just more attracted to girls. <laughs> like yeah. I, it's not this kind of like this lofty thing of like, but I just really feel called to be a father to children. I'm like, nah, I just really like girls. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was like the back and forth. And, and, and the, uh, the idea then, or not, not the idea, the truth was then in high school, was this, was this back and forth? Was this kind of idea of, okay, God, what do you want me to do? If you do, if you want me to be a priest, I'll do it. Just let me know. On the other hand, she's cute. I'm going to date her. And so, or I'm going to ask her out. Maybe she'll not want to date me, but I'm going to try to date her. And that ultimately has been, had been kind of the, uh, the, the, the state of my high school time. And then even in college, you know, as I said, my dad was like, you know, go to normal college and then you'll figure it out. Um, so I, even all through college, I have to say that um, the college I went to wasn't entirely orthodox. And so therefore, my majoring in theology didn't really set me up for having a, a real love for the church. I actually had a real <laughs> strong animosity to the church. In I fact, I always say. I didn't have a love for the church, but I loved the Enneagram and the Primal Scream. It was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the Enneagram was one of my favorite, <laughs> the Primal Scream. We never did that. We did the Enneagram, though. Did you do um, uh, Labyrinth? No, yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, wow. But the, um, so, but, so I always say that I graduated, you know, four years later with a degree in theology, um, having taken so many classes in theology, I could have double majored in the same topic. And I was a missionary in Central America teaching uh, religion at a 
high school, the Catholic high school, going to daily mass, and I hated the Catholic church. Wow. Um, and uh, and ultimately, that comes back to, I mean, just it's so interesting. When I say interesting, I mean tragic. But um, when it comes to the way in which um, our, our kind of like, you know, our higher level education has really let down um, the faithful. And what I mean by that is your average Catholic who just wants, I just want to be a good Catholic. I just want to like, you know, just follow what Jesus wants or I want to just be good. I mean, even if it's, even if it's just, I want to be a good person. Ultimately, when it comes down to this, it's just so many people get let down by, I'm going to, I'm going to work so hard that I'm going to save up thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm going to send my kid to a private Catholic school. And that way I know that they'll get the most important thing in life. And, uh, and my experience is that no, because it was kind of a dissenting school and, uh, and a lot of more that way. Anyways, I'm not, that's not what this is about, but. Well, what, what, what particularly, um, drove like this, this hostility towards the church? Yeah. Okay. Cause I mean, this good. is important because like I studied mm-hmm. theology. I love theology. I went to Franciscan and the funny thing was I, half the classes I took, I didn't have to take because I already heard all these classes via, via Scott Hahn's <laughs> audio cassette tapes and things like that. I had heard so many Scott Hahn tapes that by the time I was in the class, I would literally <laughs> write down on the notebooks of the people sitting around me what he was going to say next. And this one guy was like, oh, my God, how do you know that? And I go, I'm a prophet. But like, what, a prophet. what specifically? Because, I mean, I know that Franciscan University is amazing, but they have a... And, uh, you know, when we were there, especially a homogenized viewpoint, and I don't just mean theologically, I mean, philosophically, uh, politically, you know, that you kind of get sucked into that. And then when you become an adult, you're like, okay, well, I think this and this and this, but theologically, I felt like, no, I'm still right there. Like the Mm -hmm. things they taught me, I can carry with me my entire life. Um, You know, I might not be as gung ho a Republican or something like that, but like the things they taught me in theology class have equipped me to minister to the most broken of people or whatever. What Mm -hmm. was it for you that brought that hostility towards the church or or whatever? That's a great question. So I, so I, even my my very first class on college on the college campus, 8am first day of school was a theology class. And, uh, and the the motivation behind it was okay. Intro to theology, no problem. And I remember the texts we had were um, there was I think one Catholic text by Frank Sheed, so good. And then um, oh, serious, yeah, yeah, it was theology and sanity, the best. I love that book. And we spent no time on it. Oh. And every other textbook was from a, a non-Catholic, a Protestant theologian. And I remember going to the the nun who was teaching and saying after like maybe the second or third week and saying like what I'm <laughs> I'm just this hyper concerned eighteen year old you know like I'm just really uh, bothered by this sister I think that you know we should be having you know Catholic theologians and I just I don't know I think that uh, it's just really stupid that we have all these <laughs> non you know and I mean looking back now when I said I just think it's really stupid. The book selection you chose <laughs> as an eighteen-year-old, I'm like, oh my gosh! And she kind of bristled a little bit, and she's like, well, da 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 da, you know. And what she said was, so I was wrong, you know, in the sense of to say that. But she said, well, you know, well, what we're doing here is we're doing theology. We're not doing catechism class. We're not doing um, what you would get like in your Sunday school. This is theology, higher level thinking, da da da. And so I'm like, okay, and I, I still was kind of you know a little bit. Uh, on guard against that but 
that set the tone was like, okay, what we're doing here is theology and theology, like really doing theology means not being faithful. Cause that's what basically when it came down to it was, okay. So apparently what my home parish priest would do is just like, he just recited to us things that someone told him to say to us, but the really smart people, they do theology. And what that means is they question all of those things. And so that was kind of like, okay, that's, that's now the, the new playing field. So my parish priest, they're not educated. They're not very smart. They don't do theology. We do theology here. So that's, that's the first step. And then what happened was, and it's sad to say, but with that new landscape, then there came the questions of, uh, with, particularly with regard to morality and specifically with regard to sexual morality. And um, in that, there were things, I mean, I was always uh, pro-life, always pro-life. And so, I mean, I remember giving speeches in high school and trying to be part of that whole movement of like, no, I'm, I'm convicted that abortion, no, no, no. But I never heard any, any good explanations with regard to contraception and openness to life. And so when it comes up for the first time in my life, I never considered it. It, it just kind of <laughs> wasn't on my radar. Why would it be? Um, in college, it was the, okay, here are the things that the church is against, Catholic church is against. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? And that was the idea. I mean, uh, that, that was the, the, the attitude was, okay, here's this thing called humanity Vitae. Okay, okay, students, you know, this is going to be ridiculous. This Pope back in the 60s, he said, you know, he was trying to, he was trying to stop the tide of the sexual revolution. So with no real reason, I remember going to, you know, monks, nuns, PhDs, priests, and saying, okay, so wait, why is this the case? Why does the Catholic Church teach this? And the answers were one of two things. One was, well, it comes from this Augustinian framework that just says the body is bad and sex is bad. So don't worry about it. Like the rest of the church is going to catch up. The other answer, <laughs> exactly. The other response was, yeah, you know, it doesn't make any sense. The bunch of old celibate white men in Rome would, you know, tell married couples what sex means or something like this. And so I just like, okay, you know, and by this point, having the, the new parameters, right, the back home in my parish, they do just, they do catechism, they do Sunday school, we do theology. Now, here's this like kind of uncomfortable and awkward teaching with on openness to life that was then dismissed by all the smartest people I knew as being like, oh, it's totally irrelevant. And what that did was that kind of put me into this corner. I mean, and again, my own pride and my own sin is totally to blame as well. So this it's not to say that someone else did this. I did this to myself as well. But in that, my own pride said like, well, I don't want to be, I don't want to be one of the, like the simpletons, you know, I don't want to be someone who's like teaching Sunday school. I want to be a theologian too. Like I want to be a higher level thinker. And so I'm, I'm going to just embrace and accept whatever you say. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and so that, that, that really shut my mind and my heart to the church. Wow. What's crazy about everything you are talking about is my grandfather got his master's in a theology back in the back in the eighties and hearing you explain all that, it really helps me understand how he went from an Orthodox Catholic extremely involved in the mm -hmm. charismatic movement to that type of that type of, I guess, how to put this, of that type of mindset. Yeah. 
you know, and and I couldn't wrap my head around because I mean, it got to a point where people that he worked with were like early shocked that his grandson was going to school at Studio. Oh, yeah. And I and I remember just being like, "Wait, what? Why?" And then once I came back from from school, just being like, "Oh no!" And then just kind of and, and I was like, "How did like how did that happen?" Because whenever I would talk to him about it. You know, I didn't know anything, so it was just kind of like, oh, okay, like these are just your ideas. But I, but you know, he always portrayed himself as as a faithful Catholic. And as time, as you know, things went on, I remember being like, wait, what? How, will you believe what? And then just the older it was, it was insane because the older he got, the worse it got. Yeah, I mean, almost to a point where Christ becomes just some guy who may or may not have existed, or like who like was he really? Yeah, totally. That's the exactly. Jesus of history versus the Christ of faith, and how they totally. Yeah. I and mean, that's this. You just you both, Luke and Mike, you just pulled out pages of my 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 college. Were you reading and, the and, Marginal Jew by John Meyer? I, that's on my that was on my shelf, not <laughs> currently, but it was. He had two copies of that book, or the two things. I think yeah, actually the first time I ever saw that copy of that book was. Um, at Luke's, at Luke's grandfather's house during Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and me and Luke's grandfather, I was a philosophy theology major. And as a freshman, I went uh, with Luke every Thanksgiving for like three, three out of my four Thanksgivings were with Luke's family, which was the greatest time of my life. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> including the birth of my children. And, uh, including <laughs> my wedding. Yeah. Oh, wait. My wedding was awful. My wife doesn't listen. Um, <laughs> and so I remember being in the car and your grandfather was driving us around and it was like an awesome like fall day and me and him were like cracking jokes about church life you know and he was like oh those damn liturgists and I'm like this guy is hysterical and he was, we were just going back and forth and he's like Luke I really like your friend here I can't believe a guy like him goes to Franciscan and right when he really? said that I was like Wait, what? What does that mean? And then I like <laughs> reinterpreted our whole conversation, and I was like, "Oh, because he doesn't think liturgists go say? far enough." <laughs> well, and uh, you know, it breaks my heart because like he was a great man, you know, and just like I mean, honestly, I don't think I would uh, be practicing the faith had it not been for him. Yeah, you know, and he's my and so he's my hero in so many ways, and now I have to be careful here. In church life, things that I may or may not do, I am able to see what that type of what that a type of theology in that time period what it has led to for the current church. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. I mean, because and that's that's the thing is I, in my experience, the same kind of thing coming back to um, this. I thought like, no, no, this is where the church is going. And just being so embarrassed, and that was for me, was um, I just I told this to a bunch of our, our college students last week, was I said, you know, I just honestly, I am so grateful that so many of them are, are faithful now, because I think I think of myself when I was your age. And I mean, I'm at that age right now where I get to say, yeah. when I was your age, <laughs> I used to. Mm-hmm. How old are you, real quick? I'm 40, almost 41. I'm going to be 41 in two months. Oh, gross. So, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. I'm pretty excited. This is the oldest man this. we've ever interviewed. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not our best Joe. friend from college. That's why. Joe, yeah. Joe <laughs> Michael, and Lucas, I want to tell you about some there things is. back when I was. Yeah, we'll wait till you put your, your teeth back in. <laughs> Thank you. Just one second. Actually, I had my, my grandma and grandpa on my mom's side had fake teeth. And one of our favorite things that they would do for us is they would take out their teeth 
Oh, it was yeah. the best. Mm-hmm. They give us a kiss without any teeth. Oh, God. And it was just <laughs> awesome. The, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. I love it. I'm a man so who, who didn't really have grandparents because they were all dead <laughs> more or less before I was born. And that is the most horrific. I literally have nightmares about that. So thank but you for But we talking. asked them to take them out. So it wasn't like they were kind of coming at us. Oh, without, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it was like normal. Yep. Hey, Grandpa, take out your teeth. Hey, Grandpa, with no. your false eye, will you throw your glass eye in the candy <laughs> just, dish? Let us all touch your eye. <laughs> Edited. Um, so, <laughs> Father, now where were you in Central America? What were you doing there? I was in. So I was. As in, I run know, away okay. from Luke's comment. No, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I was part of this just fantastic mission, um, in on the on the border of Belize and Guatemala. Okay, and I've been there. It was run by the Society for Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. Salt? Salt? Are you kidding me? No, you don't. Wait, Mike. I've literally. We, been I think there. we we've been to the same mission. It was in Benque Viejo del Carmen. Yes. You've been there. What? When was this? So you, so here's the thing. So I went down in 1997 okay. to, uh, through 1998. So I, I went down as a graduate in, in college. When I first got to, to uh, St. John's University, um, I had always wanted to be a missionary in high school. And so I thought like, okay, that's what I want to do. How do I do this? Do I skip college and just become a missionary? Well, you don't have a whole lot to offer if you just do that. So like, yeah. okay, go to college. So then what happened is my first day on campus, I saw the campus ministry flyer. The back of it said, if you are a St. John's graduate, we send two every year down to this mission in Belize. And so I thought, that's what I'm going to do. And so four years later, that's what I did. Um, so I went down and I worked there for a year. I stayed there and lived there in the mission, just in the community. And there's a whole bunch of story there. That's where I uh, realized that God was calling me to be a priest. Came back north went to seminary, got ordained, got stationed at UMD. And then we brought a group of students down to the mission that I worked at to, uh, two or three years in a row. And I remember one particular year I was down there and they said, yeah, we'd really like to have you help. But um, there's a group of uh, Franciscan University of Superville students who are here doing other mission work. So you can't stay with us. You have to stay somewhere else because all these Franciscan missionaries. <laughs> and that I don't know if that was your years. What year was that? Was that like so it would have been two thousand and five, six or seven, one of those uh, three. No. I started the Belize mission trip in two thousand and three. Yeah. Mine no my way. year was the first year because some Franciscan students had gone down, um, Allison and um Eddie, uh they had gone down and worked at a school in mm. Belize that was the soul. I know school. Eddie. Eddie was my year. Ah, that's awesome. Yep. So Eddie was in 19, he came, went down to 1996 and 1997. So amazing. So he was down there. And then, so I came down, um, Eddie, and then who else was there? Sarah, maybe, I don't know. A friend of mine. Um, and so we, we went down there on the mission trip. Uh, and so we were based out of, out of like, you know, we all stayed at some former church now, a resort. And, uh, we fanned out into all these different areas and some people went to the school and that was 2000. I want to say that was 2003. And then after that, we all just kept Franciscan had a mission there and they yep. had a mission in Honduras. And this was like more, you know, spreading out throughout Central America. And I just remember I only spent one day at the Salt Place. And they okay. let me teach a class on the Trinity. And uh, it was really weird because I could hear Eddie down the hall yelling and screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs because that's how we taught every class with like zeal and all this stuff. But it was uh, that, wow, that is so crazy. Yeah, that's we were at the same place. 
That is and, insane. I did not know that until right now. I, I want to ask one thing. Okay, so you said that you, fi- when you were down there, you figured out that you wanted to be a priest. I mean, mm-hmm. like, what specifically was it drilling down? What was it that well, said, right. like, okay, like, it's more than just, like, that would be cool. Because for me, like, I know so many men that are like, you know, if, if you give me a pulpit and a microphone, I could really, pre- or if you let me in the confessional. Because for me, <laughs> I feel like uh, so many men that I discerned with, that was, like, one of our main things. Like, yeah, I have this great, like, I've heard so many amazing teachings. And then I sit down and I hear so many okay teachings but like if you were to give me that gospel i could have changed people's lives you know and we and and i remember a priest saying if all you think about the priesthood is the pulpit or the confessional you're kind of coming at it with this arrogance and i and for me when he said that i was like oh no that's 100 percent me like i totally just want a microphone like a teenager on a retreat (laughs) i want a microphone (laughs) 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 do i really have something positive to share and i'm gonna ramble for an hour and a half like that's exactly what i um what i thought so um yeah so what was it for you that that one moment or whatever it was if even if it wasn't that one moment that really triggered it so it, it, I think that's a good question because it's it's different than even, well, I would say it was different for me than even like, hey, I want to do this because I'd always kind of like, just, just like you described, I'd always kind of said, I want to do this, but this was um, like, I want to do the tasks, you know, yeah. um, this was different. This was, uh, so here's what happened. When I was down there, I had this major conversion back to the church and major conversion back to Jesus then. And, um, that then I realized that, okay, even though I've been praying for the last nine years, God, just tell me what you want me to do. You want me to be a priest? I'll do it. You want me to not be a priest? I, great. I'm already set. That, that's what I already want to not do. Um, <laughs> winning. It, it, winning. <laughs> and, um, and then I realized after I had this, like, again, God had to do some major work with me, um, that he, I realized, wait a second, I've never figured out this answer. I was actually getting ready to get married to the woman I had been dating in college. I was just totally, she's just an incredible woman. Were you, en- I, were you engaged? I, okay, so here's the thing. I always would say that I was engaged. My little sister says, oh, really? Was there a ring? I was literally I said, well, It wasn't really technically that. a ring. And I she's was... like, if they weren't technically a ring, then you weren't technically engaged. So I was planning on getting married to her the week, the, the summer after I got back. So whatever that means, there you go. <laughs> I've been there like probably at least... Twice, so it pretty much counts. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Luke. You know, exactly yeah, it's cheaper, it. but it counts. It's, it's totally it's cheaper. Yeah, there's no ring. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so I realized though, I'm going back home in X number of months, and then that's it. I mean, I had been, already been accepted to a graduate school to get my master's in theology, and the idea was I'd get in my PhD, and I wanted to teach teach at, at the university level, and uh, but I then it was very very clear as I was getting opening my heart, I mean, opening myself more and more to the Lord that, wait, I never resolved this question. Like I never actually figured out, should, does God want me to do that? Or does he want me to be a priest? And so that kind of sent me into a little bit of a, I don't know, uh, spiral out of control. And I started thinking, well, I need to, I need to figure this out before I go back home and before I get officially engaged with a ring and everything in a literal date. So, that, anyways, the long story short again is that just started setting me out on seeking out counsel, praying in an even more fervent way, but also praying in a more both uh, experienced way as well as 
um, a more open way. And I was in adoration one day, and it became very clear as I was as I was praying that I knew without a doubt. I mean, it was one of those kind of ways of knowing that like I had never anticipated or never had experienced before. That said, okay, I know that whether it's six minutes or sixty years after I marry Melissa, that. I'll know that I never gave God the first chance. I never gave him really, and I'd visited seminaries before. So this is, this wasn't that, this wasn't just, would you go and you know, try it out? This was mm-hmm. very, very clearly. I never actually went. And cause I, again, I know my own interior history. I know all, when I did visit seminaries, I knew what was going on in my head. And, and I knew that he was clearly calling me to go just to go. That was it. And that was all. It wasn't like, I'm calling you to be a priest. It was like, no, I'm just calling you. My invitation is that you go to the seminary. And so I'm in the next thought. So in the midst of this complete clarity of what I'm inviting you to do is to go to the seminary. And also with the kids, kind of like this, you can imagine like, here's God who's like, and listen, I know you. And if you don't, you'll always know that you said no. You know, kind of this like insider kind of a thing. I mean, it was very, was that's what I had been praying for for nine years though. I've been praying, God, just let me know. Mm -hmm. But then the second, immediately, I mean, concurrently, was the the knowledge of God and revealing Himself and saying, "And if you don't go, I will love you just the same." So it was this this complete, as as free as you could imagine it to be, was how it was. It was this. Here's clear. You know you need to go. This is where I'm calling you to go. And if you don't, I love you. And so I'm like, well, okay, God. (laughs) It was so this deep piece of like joy of knowing here's what he's asking me to do. And also at the same time, like complete sadness and sorrow of like, oh my gosh, I love this woman. Love her so much. And that was this whole long, long, long story that, uh, ultimately was really great and um it was the right decision but and again it's one of those i always come back to it a lot oftentimes when i'm talking to my college students because just when it comes to god's free invitation that he had not been asking me to answer a question that he had not asked until that moment and the crazy thing was up for nine years i was asking dad just let me know just let me know just let me know and he essentially was saying i listen I'm not asking you the question yet. So just you keep living right now. Keep seeking me right now. Keep learning right now. Keep, you know, striving after me right now. And when it comes time for you to answer the question, I'll ask the question. And that's maybe the, one of the best ways I can explain it because, you know, where I'm at. Did you, uh, the woman that you were with, uh, what did you say her name was? Uh, <laughs> it was Melissa. I called her Mel. Mel. Uh, are, you, are you friends now? I, you know... No. Did you like um, celebrate her wedding as a priest or something? No, I wish I, I wish I did. Oh my gosh. She didn't get married in the church. And so that's kind of a sore spot. Um, ultimately what, um, she's just a really, she's a great, great woman. And she was Catholic. And, um, I think some, because of some of the church's teachings that go against the culture right now uh-huh. that I had needed to get converted on. Um, I think because of that, she, yeah, she left the, you know, left the church and, and so I, I pray for her and someone the other day, uh, actually two weeks ago, I was at the world meeting of families and somehow, somehow someone asked me about her because they had seen a video that I did for Ascension Press on uh, vocations. 
And they said, oh, is she, you know, practicing Catholic? I'm like, well, unfortunately she's not. And this woman came up and said, you know what you should do? You should start praying a Divine Mercy Chaplet for her every day. I thought, oh, good idea. I mean, we'll call <laughs> um, that plan B. <laughs> that's when, well, cause, I mean, I, you know, for actually, I would tell you for years, I mean, I was ordained and I was still in love with her. Um, what do you do? This wasn't like what a. Do you, what do you do with that? Like honestly, yeah. how do you handle like, that? It, okay, Lord Jesus, my face is on the floor. The bishop's <laughs> over me, and I am still in love with the way she. You know, like the memories, everything, that I have and, everything. You know, she. Um, yeah, she was amazing. She's an incredible woman. The um, her her parents came to my first mass, and the only time I was, the only time I cried the entire weekend was when they greeted me after that mass. I, I got teared oh, up. Wow. And, and uh yeah. otherwise so you they, have a heart of stone i got you otherwise listen carbonite, carbonite. <laughs> it's frozen i have carbonite. a heart of vibranium oh wow it, oh yeah if if you have any advice for any of our listeners who are at a point where they might have to break up with a girl to enter into the seminary what would you tell them well i think the first thing is you don't until god asks you to do it you don't have to do it Mm. That advice was important for me about six times while I was dating my now current wife. I was I was about to say, did you hear that guy? I literally broke that? up with Shannon six times in order to quote unquote discern the priesthood. And once I broke oh up with her, gosh. I did nothing to discern the priesthood. I was uh-huh. like, yeah, maybe God'll tell me sometime while I'm playing video games. Now that I'm not dating instead, anyone. Instead he would just get all like mopey and have his Facebook picture be Christ uh, being taken yeah. off the cross or yeah. crucified. Yeah. Yeah. I anyway, was very Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it was kenosis for me all the way down. There is no data on these. Okay, sorry. I was about the Ghostbusters for some nice. reason. Sorry. Go on. Um, so the first thing I'd say is, again, God is not asking you to make a decision that he's not giving you the question yet. And so um, so there's a, there's a big difference between um, I am, I'm actually going to discern the priesthood versus I don't know. Therefore I'm going to break up with you. Cause that's just, I don't think that's very helpful at all. I think you say, okay, you're in the midst of a vocation or sorry, in the midst of discernment of one thing. And that discernment is, or that, sorry, that thing is this relationship. And so discern the relationship. And if you discover that, okay, this relationship is not, um, a, the relationship I'm called to be the relationship I want, um, or C, that actually there might be something else that the Lord's asking me to do. And you really have a sense that it's clear that actually he's, he needs you to give him some space to do this. Well, then that's a different thing. But again, I would say that you don't have to answer a question God's not asking. That's the first thing I definitely would say for someone who's dating someone um, and not necessarily free to, uh, you know, discern a seminary or whatever. Um, that's what I'd say. So first you're thing. saying unless you're in prayer and God is really pushing that question, Hey, you know, don't just break up with her because, oh, you, I don't know, you think being a priest would be awesome and you would look yeah. awesome in a robe like I did. Uh, yes. OK, gotcha. Gotcha. That's awesome. That really is great, because for so many men, like I talk to so many people like, yeah, I want to be a priest. I'm like, what makes you want to be a priest? I'm like, I just want to preach. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, like you can be a teacher. You can be a professor. You can be an awkward yeah. youth minister. You can do all sorts of stuff. <laughs> you can have a podcast. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Tons of things. Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so, um, but I, I want to shift the conversation right now to something personal, right? 
and I want you to be free to just put the kibosh on it, and then I'll edit this, and we'll just talk about Marvel. Um, Got it. Okay, now, I watched, uh, because I'm obsessed with you, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not obsessed. That was a great awkward pause there. <laughs> because I'm obsessed. With, oh. I, you feel the same way about me too, right? I right? do. You know I do. Okay, so my, my favorite thing is before I was employed at my church, we hired you. They they contracted with you to do the yes. contracted. They got you to do the Lenten mission, and that was yeah. well before me. And the woman who ultimately was like organizing stuff would just print out your picture and hang it around. It. Look who we have. Doing our legend. Look how hot this priest is. And we're all like, okay, I know that guy. Um, but uh, I uh, I was watching a um, a talk that you had given at a Sumbo conference. And it was one of the most difficult talks. I actually was scheduled to give the same talk in Toronto. Um, but they had changed it because in Canada, the anti-discrimination laws are... Mm-hmm really different than freedom of speech America. And it, basically they told us if you talk about homosexuality in any way, shape, or form that is negative, you could be liable to facing all sorts of you know weird charges. And I was like, well, as a high school conference, I think we can address this in different ways. So, But you gave one of the talks, and you had shared about – you said a phrase that totally resonated with me. You said that I think it was your brother sat you down and said, "Do you love me?" And you're like, "Of course I love you." And you're like, "Well, then do you accept everything about me?" And you're like, "No, <laughs> like that's I don't do that for anyone. Like who does that? You know, you know what I'm right. talking about. You remember this? I do. Okay, so I would love to talk to you about this because yeah. the whole concept, like right now, I have a guy who I'm emailing. And we are going back and forth. He's an awesome guy. I desperately want him in the Catholic Church. His wife does. His wife has the same hang-up that he does. And it's not hang-up. I mean, I shouldn't say that, like, trivializing it. They struggle because they want to be devout Catholics. I sat in my office, and I spoke to him of the basic gospel message. And he was. Re- he said to me afterwards, I was reduced to tears like three times. Mm. And I was wow. like, really? Because no one I know who's Catholic. And, oh, yeah, crucifixion, whatevs. You know, and this guy was honestly, he desires Christ in his life. Yeah. But, and when the issue of homosexuality and gay marriage, come on, gay marriage is clearly a human right. We are preventing a whole category of people from marrying you have a very personal perspective on this. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, I, I, you know, is this, a, is this a topic that we can dive into? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's probably something, it's, 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 I think it's important and it's good too. Thanks. So for you, um, the whole, you know, the whole Catholic Church's teaching on human sexuality really hits home when it comes to, to not just gay marriage, but same-sex attraction overall. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. And, and, and you know, Luke has been. Uh, we we have been desperately trying to find guests to interview uh, as we go forward. Uh, you are our resident rock star, but um, we're gonna meet. <laughs> you know, we're, we we have in the wings. You know, people like Eve, um, Tushnet, yeah, Tushnet. who yeah, yeah, who we're mm-hmm. super excited to interview. Um, yep. And there's just all this like like weird, awkward controversy that 
I feel like ought not to be there, but is there. You know, she's like, I'm celibate, even though I'm, you know, I have same-sex attraction, but I love Jesus Christ, and I'm celibate. And Catholics are like, you know, certain groups mm-hmm. of Catholics are like, you're not good enough to be on our Yeah, you know? seriously, it's crazy. Like, I've, I've talked to so many um, Catholics who experience same-sex attraction who are like, no, I, I'm committed to Jesus. I'm committed to the church, and so um, I do my best strive to like anyone to to be as chaste and as as um pure as possible and they'll have people who when they find out like catholics who when they find out that uh well you experience same-sex attraction like the same kind of thing like but you there must be something you're doing that's causing this and like well no ungay yourself for 10 minutes ungay yourself <laughs> and and what they're saying no actually i'm doing absolutely everything that I possibly could be doing in the sense of just trying to be as faithful to Jesus, faithful to the church. And, and so there are some, like, again, I'm sure you'll be able to talk to Eve about that a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing that like, there's some other, like you just brought up, like, there's some other things that you'd like, maybe that I could weigh in on. Yeah. I mean, you're the way that you presented it in that Sumo conference was like, you know, you, you struggle or your, your brother came to you looking yeah. for, uh, acceptance in a bigger way than ju- or in, in a different way than just I want you to continue loving me as your brother. Right. It was I want you to approve everything, and that's and that's that's an incredibly important distinction. And I think that um, this, those distinctions are really important, if not absolutely necessary. And the distinctions can be let's let's first talk about acceptance, and to be able to say. Um, there's this fantastic book by Romano Guardini called The Virtues That Lead You to God. And he has a chapter on acceptance. And he talks about acceptance simply being, I accept reality. Like, I accept reality as it comes to me. In the sense that I don't, um, I, I can acknowledge that, it, you know, one thing is evil or one thing is good. But I have to accept that it is first in order to deal with it at all. I mean, how many people do you know live in denial of reality? Um, we all, at some point, I think Luke. sometimes live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Luke. Yep. Luke. I know one person. Luke lives in denial. <laughs> He's reality. the only guy I know, but it, it's so powerful that it's awesome. You know? It's just like, but, but exactly. <laughs> but there's that sense of like acceptance then. Um, that, that kind of acceptance is just being able to say, I'm willing to accept this is your experience. And now actually, let's take a next step and say, I'm willing to accept not only that this is your experience, I'm willing to accept you as a human being, regardless of whatever kind of experiences, whatever kind of attractions, whatever kind of choices you've made. So as you as a human being, what do I mean by acceptance? I mean, this is what is, and you're right in front of me, and I can choose to accept that that's the truth. Because there are actually people who... um will say, no, I refuse to believe it. I refuse to believe that you're gay. I refuse to believe that you have same-sex attraction. I refuse. I'd say, no, no, Catholics, our first step would be, no, acceptance first and foremost has to mean, okay, this is true. And this person in front of me, has this is true about them. And I accept that all this is true. And I accept them as a human being, even whether it be in spite of the fact or because of the fact that this is true about them. Now, that's the first step, I think, of acceptance as far as like when it comes to like touching on the person and when it comes to touching on this is just the truth. Does that make sense first? Well, maybe we could use a different phrase than touching on the person, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Welcome to Catching Foxes. Welcome to Catching Foxes. <laughs> there it is. Here it is. So it makes this explicit. Um, 
There are so many Catholics. I think the the problem Luke said in one of our early holy crap I interrupted myself. <laughs> Luke said early on. on in one of our first episodes where he said the problem is you just need to go out and meet people that disagree with you. And like it was so simple like the the idea that as Catholics we often wall ourselves in with those who like you know you you might be a conservative orthodox Catholic and you wall yourself in with those who share your values. And to a certain extent, okay, that's okay. Like you're nourishing what you believe. But in another sense, that's terrible because you're isolating yourself from those who either A, need to hear the gospel or B, you need to hear their life experience, which it will just enrich the body of Christ, right? Especially, you know, conversion and whatnot. Yeah, right. And for so many people, I feel like like that are the most the, – I'm going to say it. The Michael Vorises of the world oh my gosh. are extraordinary. Who call it the homo lobby? Ugh. You know, and like, mm-hmm. and there's words that like that literally enrage me. Even though I uphold everything the church teaches about human sexuality and try to live it, I uphold it intellectually. Try to live it as a different thing, but I, I like, like I'm in agreement with what he thinks about the church's teaching, but what how he. A whole his whole approach of just dis, utter disdain for homosexuals and yeah there se- there seems to be a real strong dis- dismissive and really really skeptical yeah is that they don't know human beings that have same sex attraction like I, the only mm. thing I could rationalize in my head the reason why he speaks with such utter disdain is because he's never met some or he's met people and they're just like you know anti god or whatever he's never yeah. met a, a loved one who has said to them. I didn't choose this. I don't want to be this. I am this. So will you love me still? Or are we going to, are you going to cast me out? You know? Yeah. And then that, that, that then contributes to this idea that, um, unless you're willing to like, you know, it's funny because then there becomes this, the question becomes to someone who's Catholic, who has a, a stance, like who has a, um, philosophical slash uh, theological slash anthropological, whatever stance on the issue, the question can they can then be, well, do you know anyone who dot, dot, dot? Yeah. Um, I bet you've never talked to anyone who dot, dot, dot. And then you're able to say, well, okay. First, how do you know I don't know anybody or love anybody or have anyone in my life who dot, dot, dot. But secondly, I think a lot of that, Accusation comes from people who have been hurt by, again, that other kind of personality or other kind of Christian or Catholic who doesn't seem to have any kind of compassion when it comes to weakness, when it comes to sin. All they can see is the fact that, yeah, this is something that's affecting the rest of our lives. And there could be a lobby, you know, there could be, um, or there is, you know, there's a, a kind of a movement in our culture. And they can just be, they seem to be so defensive about that movement or so defensive about the, uh, the, what we might be quote unquote losing that there's no, uh, time to stop and say, wow, I wonder how much the people who are really pushing so hard when it comes to uh, marriage or when it comes to talking about things like basic human right or whatever, I wonder how much they're hurting. Like, I wonder how much they experienced in the course of their lives, like a really deep shame and a real deep woundedness and a real deep isolation thinking I'm different than everyone else. No one will ever love me if they found out the truth about me. Yep. And, and I think that 
again, some people who try to proclaim the truth about the meaning of sex or the uh, the truth of marriage can get such a, in such a defensive mode that it's like, did, wait, did you stop to think that this, we're not, we're not debate, even though we have to talk about issues, we're not debating an issue. We're talking about something that's a reality in so many people's lives that whenever we talk about this issue, we can't talk about an issue. If that makes any sense. Yeah. We I mean, have we're to talk talking about things people. that impact real people's lives yes. every single day, the way they view the world every single day. And it's like, no, no, no. They're just, they're just this way because they choose to be or want to be or this, that. I mean, yep. like it's 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 as if they have compassion for the drunk, for the gambling addict, for the drug addict, but for the homosexual, it's like how like it's so to them foreign and contrary to nature and whatever that they can't yeah. find a place in their heart to love them in a way that makes sense with their Catholic faith. Like it's like they look at them and they're like. Oh well, Romans one twenty through twenty three. You know, like they just yeah. go right to you're basically an idolater with your gayness and get out yep. of my sight. And it's like, no, whoa, 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 bro, bring it back. Human right. being, JP two. Let's channel that personalism. This is a human being created in the image and likeness of God. Okay, now you know they would hate the fact that we say you're struggling with same sex attraction if they're in the gay mm-hmm. lifestyle, right? They'd be like offended. Yeah. I'm not struggling. I'm embracing. But from the Catholic person, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I mean, that's I would say. That's almost why I was almost try, try to say experiences, same-sex attraction. Absolutely. That's a bad that way. way I've talked to many, a lot of the people who say, well, you know, struggling. I understand what you're saying, but. Yeah. All right. Okay. In that case, I'm going to say yeah. experience. And they say that. I like that, that a lot, actually. <laughs> like, great. That's really cool. Because yeah. I think it, um, it, when we, if, if I were to always put it like you struggle with this that puts that puts you down and it puts me on a pedestal like you know and it just right um i had a great point and i lost it go on (laughs) but it does have that sense of like okay you're weak yep i'm not you struggle with x y or z and i don't have that particular struggle and so then again it separates us and that's a huge thing if i could say this one of the biggest things I think that this um, issue that's not an issue because it's a reality of people's lives does is it separates human beings into us and them. And while there are distinctions that need to be made, yeah, absolutely. I think at times there's this us and them that is, okay, so here's we on this side and then there's them on the other side. And what happens in that, if we thought <laughs> we know in politics, we know in yeah. so many different places in our lives is when we start to do that, then we start to not talk about human beings anymore. Now we just talk about them. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's the joke of like those people. What do you mean those people? You know, like, no, no, okay. Um, when it comes to races or when it comes to anything like that. Yeah. When it comes to this issue, us and them just simply means those people who experience this particular, and you might say, oh, brokenness. Okay, well, people are so mad at me to say brokenness. A perversion. People get even more mad. Like, okay, disorder. <laughs> disorder. How about this? All of us experience this. Sometimes it comes out this way. Sometimes it comes out that way. And what this, quote unquote, this is, is all of us experience brokenness. Every single mm-hmm. one of us experiences, we want something that's not necessarily the best. It has shades of good, but it's not the best for us. And sometimes those 
not the best, are actually hurtful for us. But all of us know the experience of wanting that thing. I mean, and again, you guys know this. Um, we all want, I mean, it's in all of every one of our hearts that we all want something that we didn't choose to want, that we know is not good for us. And yet we would be willing in some moments of our lives, we'd be willing to sacrifice anything to have that thing. Yeah. And, and, and so when it comes to issues of any kind of attraction, any kind of sexual attraction, any kind of same-sex attraction, to be able to say, actually, um, I may not experience the exact same attraction, but I do experience the same wound. And that wound is, sometimes I'm also afraid that I'll be lonely the rest of my life. And that wound is sometimes I'm also tempted to, uh, to, to not trust God or not trust people around me when they tell me that, no, you are good. I mean, and this is the kind of thing that I hear again and again and again is, you know, I mean, I talk to so many, so many young Catholics who are same-sex attracted who will say, Father, it's not like I just need sex. I'm just, I don't want to be lonely. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> brother, or I'm like, okay, sister, like, I get that. Um, I... <laughs> I'm a celibate priest. Mm -hmm. I understand the fear of being lonely. But I have to tell you that if you are willing to live your life for the Lord, Jesus, I mean, there are times when you're going to be lonely, but there's also nothing to be afraid of in that loneliness because you're, again, as I always say, always, 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 you're made for love. That doesn't mean you're made for it always a sexual expression of that love. You're made for love, not sex. Right. You're this made is a for, huge difference. You're made for connecting with human beings in a self-giving yeah. way. You're not made just to engage your, you know, your genitalia in a, a self-pleasure. Like that, and that's one of the fundamental things with Arlene that she, uh, in our previous podcast, that she talked about, like how shocked people are that she's a 29-year-old beautiful woman who's also a virgin. They don't understand how she has gone this far without <laughs> you know giving up her virginity mm-hmm. and uh for many people like the men that have written like when she wrote for her secular newspaper a um a sex essay kind of thing where she talked about it they all were like oh you must be really ugly right we're like so the whole idea is like you didn't, right. you know and but for her she she has a wonderful book called chastity is for lovers where she is open and honest about the like the loneliness factor yeah. of choosing chastity over everything else. She said, there's, there's a very real possibility that I will never get married and thus never enjoy the legitimate pleasures of sex. But I am never going to lower myself to just my base desires. You know, I'm never just going to say, well, I, like, it's true. We all want, we all have a sex drive. We all want this. Some are ordered towards you know, same-sex attraction, others towards the opposite sex. But the idea is that we are more than just our impulses. And right. uh, the, I feel like that is getting so lost in all of this. It's like, well, they feel this way. And th- there's a museum in Belgium that opened, I think it was in Belgium, that opened up where it's like, it was called like, na- is, is it natural or something like that? Or it is natural. And it was all these animals where there's photographic evidence of animals with same lifelong pairing and same-sex attraction saying, well, look, it's in the animal kingdom, therefore, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and my whole response to that was, yeah, well, there are lions who eat their young, like, grow up, like, we're human beings, we're something different, we have reason well, that gets applied to our natural desires. I, yeah. I, I mean, 
I agree with what you with that argument, but I think a lot of the time, like we are having the wrong conversation. Um, like we want to argue about this, about like that's that's like all all of that stuff. Where the real question is, like, is there is there a god, and if so, what does that mean? You know, because. Like we're never going to agree. Like there are so many people in my life who is my, you know, who's within my own family that we don't agree on this at all. I have some great friends who are gay that we don't agree with this at all. So I'm just not going to talk about it because there's no. But if it, but like I think that well, I mean, and that might be the wrong approach. It's just it's just kind of where where I am right now, but. I think with a lot of that stuff, it's more about like, does God exist? And if so, what does that mean? A- a- am I yeah. totally off with that? Cause I'm willing to be wrong. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I totally would agree with that. The notion of being able to say, again, if, if God doesn't exist, then all things are legitimate. Mm-hmm. And that, um, to be able to say, yeah, this is, if this universe is an accident, then there is no meaning to anything. I mean, that, and that's I think, like you said, Luke, that's the first question we have to be willing to ask, which is, okay, so is this universe created on purpose? Is this world created on purpose? Which also means then, is my life and what I do have meaning? Because if it doesn't, then you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and again, that's not to say like, whatever you want to do, you sickos. That's not that. It's, it just means, no, really, literally, whatever you want to do is all the same. And so what Gomer had said earlier about like the uh, the analogy of well you know um, these animals they're mating you know in, in a same sexual way. I remember I had clipped an article uh, a couple months ago because I wrote a book recently. Um, by the way, um, <laughs> whoa whoa whoa! You wrote a book? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, didn't know you could write. I can't. I dictated a lot nice. of this. Nice. I knew that part. Okay. <laughs> Good work. What's the title of the book? What's the title of the book? I don't know what it's going to be called. Ultimately, it's oh. uh, not. It's it's in its first uh, manuscript submitted to the. Why publisher. Luke and Gomer are are awesome. Go on. Oh, amazing! <laughs> I, I couldn't decide if I was going to use the word amazing or awesome. So I put amazing. Just slash call it awesome. catching foxes the written form, and we'll be fine. <laughs> but but what I clipped was this article that talked about how um what was it something like. How disturbing it was that animals in the wild ate their young. And I remember and it was the word that you kept using was disturbing. This is just disturbing and this is just awful. And I was like, wait a second. No, no, no. They're just animals. So it's disturbing to us human beings. But no one in the animal kingdom other than human beings are disturbed by that fact. Mm-hmm. Which indicates that we're different. It indicates that, okay, we're on a different playing field. While we share a lot of similarities with the animal kingdom, we are a different kind of a thing. And then hopefully, to anyone who's thinking logically, would undercut the the idea of being able to say, let's make a comparison between the sexual behavior of these animals and the eating behavior of these animals. Because they're just natural behaviors. Well, in that case, would we say that, you know, yeah, cannibalism. Of your one's own children is completely legitimate. We wouldn't say that. So then, as Mike said, why would we say that about the sexual behaviors of these animals? I have, yeah, I have uh, um, one question to ask you. When you you wrote an article that I feel like is so 
powerful that I have actually printed it out, and every year I give it every every session I give it to my RCA candidates, especially to the candidates, not the catechumens, who are going to do confession before they enter the church. Yeah, uh, which is your whole notion and viewpoint of the sacrament of confession that you wrote for lifeteam.com. Yeah, yeah, I love that article, and the reason awesome. why I love it is because I saw you practice it at my church when you did your parish mission. Here I am thinking, oh, we got Father Mike. Like, this is great. I want to hang out with this guy. And then I, I, I only got to go to lunch with you once for like an hour because other than that, you were jam-packed with you, – what you, you pretended like they were half an hour sessions, but they were really hour-long things where you were going to – you know, you have a wonderful view of confession. And I know there are people who are scared, scared to death of the confessional. Yeah. Would you help give uh, not not help them? I want you to just tell me the priest's version of hearing someone come to confession. Yeah, it's, confession is the best place. I think I cannot cannot think of any good priest that I know who doesn't absolutely love hearing confessions, and um, the reason why they love it is because there's. This is. I started out the article by talking about this. I was I was riding in a bus or a van, a shuttle bus, shuttle van from a, an airport one day. It was a bunch of old couples, and I was dressed like a priest because that's what I am. And they pointed it out and said, "So you're a priest?" I'm like, "Yeah." And like, "You're really young." Because this was a bunch of years ago. And um, I said, "I'll go out of it." <laughs> and and they said, uh, "Do you do everything as a priest?" I'm like, "Yeah." Like, like hear confessions thing. I'm like, "Yeah," you know. And they said, oh, and this one old woman said, well, I just think that would just be so, I'd be so hard. It'd be so discouraging. It'd be so sad. And it just struck, stuck with me because I thought I've never been sad, never been sad listening to someone's confession. I've been, my heart broken with them because a lot of times people, you know, they share the, the worst, they share their brokenness, they share what's hurt them the most. But I've never been saddened by someone's confession. And I think the different and the reality is the reason why is because like, well, no, if because confession is a place where you're coming back, confession is a place where people who have fallen down are being lifted up. This is this is the moment of the prodigal son, like being embraced and brought into the home with it by his father. Like this is not this is not the moment of the prodigal son um, in the in the foreign land, in the pigsty or with the prostitutes or wherever it is like falling down. This is him being held by a father who says. You're my son. You're my son. You're my son. And that just, I get to, like, every day, we have confession every day at UMD. And I love, I love being able to, um, be able to say that, just that, that truth of, Father, I'm so discouraged. I was here three days ago. Father, I'm so discouraged. I've been here for the same thing. I'm so, you know, and say, you are in a place of victory because it's truly that. And, and if there's any kind of little snapshot, I just, I'm so excited. Uh, I was at a camp two summers ago and the whole week, these kids, these high school kids were at youth were at camp and, uh, the very last opportunity, I mean, very last, we were about to get ready. The camp was almost done. We're almost ready to go. And this high school guy came over and he said, ah, I, I, I've been too afraid to go to confession this whole week. You know, I knew I needed to do it, but I, I didn't do it. Um, but I saw, he said, I saw when the guy ahead of me walked over to you and asked if he could go to confession. And I saw the smile on your face. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? I can do this. And I thought, well, if that's all it takes is 
to know that the priest loves every every penitent, every person who comes into the confessional is man. That just I think that's what people we might we might not get very often. When we go to confession is that the priest is there because he's like, no, listen, I'm only here for one reason, one two reasons. One is I love Jesus, and the second reason is I love you. I don't know if that makes sense. That's fantastic. That's what I got. That's Can't awesome. end on a better note than awesome. that. Yeah. Hmm. Father Mike, um, are you on Twitter? I am. Of course you are, because I got a notification today <laughs> that you favorited a photo or something. Uh, and I was like, ooh, maybe it's about us. Oh, no, it's not. Damn. It will be. No, it's someone on on the Fox 5 is becoming Catholic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kirsten something. We don't listen to Fox News, Father. That's a part <laughs> of our show. I just saw Twitter. Listen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So... <laughs> oh, yeah. I favored it, too. Um, <laughs> so uh, what, what's your Twitter handle? It's name? Father Mike Schmitz. At Father Mike Schmitz. Is it F-A, you know, the full word, Father? Yeah, the whole deal. Actually, I think I had to, I had to shorten it up because it's too many characters. So I think it's F-R-M-I-K-E-S-C-H-M-I-T-D. But, you know, then the, uh, then the other. You can type in both ways, I think it comes up. Cool. That's wonderful. (laughs) And you have a wonderfully successful uh, podcast, your sermons um, that you do from uh, Bulldog Catholic. Is it .com or .org? .org. .org. Such a great – I mean, I love the new website that you guys have. Oh, my Um, gosh. It's the coolest. Yeah. And then following your your sermons, um, I have – I subscribe to you and Bishop Barron, and that's it. In terms of Catholic oh, podcasts, it is so it uh, you and and you're preparing a new sermon series. What is it on? Oh my gosh! Okay, so it's going to be called Willpower. And it, and and how many Andy Stanley quotes are you going to steal? <laughs> Dude, don't bust me on, on boom baby. On <laughs> no, it's uh, I don't use any. Listen, I think usually when I when I try to quote him, when I quote anybody, I usually say some guy once said. Someone wants to say that. So I, as a guy in Texas once said, who is now brooding in, over as this. a chubby guy out some in Texas. Bearded, there's a bearded man in Texas who once said the guy who looks like Brian Upasane when his beard's long. <laughs> So um, it's called Willpower, and uh, it's going to be about um, – it's actually – where it's going to be – my anticipation is that it's seven parts, so it's our longest series. Seven parts. I Bold know, choice. But it's, but it's, it's going to lead all the way up to the apex of it, or the middle of it, is going to be All Saints Day. And uh, the whole deal is – so Willpower, we oftentimes – uh, boil down our faith to it's just yeah it's a matter of trying harder it's a matter of having willpower um and there's there's an element of choice that goes into uh making a saint but the secret of a saint is saint maximilian colby whom i'm guessing luke and mike you both really like um my confirmation saint yeah there it is um that he once you know told his uh the guy the novices that he was forming so the secret of sainthood capital w equal when the capital w equals the lowercase w that equals sanctity. When God's will equals my will, or sorry, vice versa, when my will equals God's will, then uh, sanctity. And so that, that notion of um, the truth of when um, our will is conformed to the Lord, that's when power, real power, real change, yeah. and uh, real joy happens. So that's what this whole next couple of weeks is going to be about for that's us. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. I'm pretty cool. excited. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> nice. Nice. Luke, where can we find you? At the Luke V. Uh, you promise? Nice. <laughs> Wait, is that yep. the Simpsons? Die yep. Hard Die? Yep. Holy oh crap. Gosh. You know that? No one yes. who speaks German could be evil. No one who speaks German could be evil. <laughs> That's my experience. 
Wow. Wow. I made a new okay. friend, I think. I think so. There it is, Luke. I think I, so. Even though you've no been very quiet this entire right episode. Luke. I was talking. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. So uh, thank you, everyone. I'm at layevangelist.com because I'm the only Catholic who is a layperson and an evangelist <laughs> in the world. Uh, just kidding. You can find us at C Fox's podcast at the letter C Fox's podcast. And on Facebook.com slash Catching Fox Podcast. Yeah. And just to let everyone know, on our pod, on our Facebook page, that's the primary place for people. Yes. That's our forum. We probably so stop doing to, Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We want, because we turned out there's no one's on yeah. Twitter. Um, but we want you it's to really contribute. Dying. We want you to send your messages in. We take all this stuff to heart. And whether we, whether or not we can actually make a whole podcast crafted out of your the thing that really pisses you off about being Catholic, like <laughs> one person's like, tratties, how do I punch them? Um, <laughs> In the jugular. Want... No, I'm just kidding. Don't, actually. <laughs> no. I have a lot of friends You know, are. all this stuff. Like, we, we really take to heart all these questions and stuff like that that you have you all have to send. Um, so, yeah. So that's, uh, what is it again oh, on Facebook? Uh, Facebook.com slash Catching Foxes Podcast. There you go. So thank you again, uh, Father yeah, Mike. Thank we'll you. have to have this you back. Awesome. Is that okay? Yeah, I, you guys, this has been a really great. I didn't realize how long, but great. Sorry about that. Sorry. That's why it's been so, no, it's been so great that I didn't even know. Like, wow, we were, yeah. we've, been on, um, we've been on for a while. When is your book going to be released? So it's going to be published by Ignatius Press and um, Lighthouse Capital cool. Media. Ooh. And and so the idea, yeah, like, I mean, Ignatius has been, they've been putting out so much great mm-hmm. stuff. And they just recently published a, a book by Father Check, who is the head of Courage. Oh, that's awesome. Janet Smith who is Janet mm-hmm. Smith <laughs> on, on the same topic. And I was like, what, what the flip am I, why am I writing this book? And then, um, I was like, wait, I'm writing this for people who are just like, listen, I'm just your average person in the, in the pew. And I just want to know why do we believe what we believe? Yeah. How do I, how do I explain this to anybody? And so mine is like basically, uh, mirror sexuality. How that we call it mirror sexuality. Um, is that the title? Is that what you're going for? No, it's mm. not. It's, still, oh. it's a work. It's a work in progress. The titles are working. I, I submitted seven. I submitted four titles, and none of them I like. So I'm going to keep going back and trying to come up with more. You know what you should do? You should write a ti- your your titles on our Facebook forum. Yes, and then have all of our millions of people vote it. Yeah, millions. Hey, but um, whenever uh, the book comes out, if you if you or are open to it. We would, we would absolutely love to have you back on. Cause it's been awesome. Yeah. That'd be great. I would love to, because, because of the fact that it's, I'm guessing there'd be a lot of misunderstandings, there'd be a lot of questions. There'd be a lot of kind of feedback that I'll get by the time it comes out that we could cool. probably talk a lot. About I would it. love that. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, awesome. and then what we should do father is we should have a, uh, a completely separate series where you're <laughs> just with us and we'll call it nice we will call it alteration and yes can we just, can, it'd be about the mass it can, no 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 it'll be about like redecorating homes <laughs> and we'll call yes. it alteration where you can figure out ways to put beds in your saint john newman oh center and actually be hospitable or something and entertain angels <laughs> like me unawares i'm just saying. unawares Oh, that is beautiful. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been the most wonderful episode of Catching Foxes oh ever with the holiest of men, Luke. Thank you, Luke, <laughs> thank for you. being here. Thank you. And Father Mike as well. <laughs> <laughs> die, Luke. Die. We want to thank CatholicMatch.com for sponsoring this show. 
So head on over to our show notes at layevangelist.com slash catchingfoxes slash 21 for this episode and click the link in the show notes or in your app. Thank you very much, everyone. God bless.